0: Today's guest, Stanford-educated sex and intimacy coach Irene Fair, helps committed couples all over the world create a nourishing and passionate sex life that's as big as their love for each other. Irene is on a mission to help couples eradicate sexless marriages and women losing their libido. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now.
1: If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast.
0: Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions.
1: So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together.
0: And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter.
1: Welcome to the show. This is episode 133. We're your hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams.
0: Hey, it is summertime here in Austin, Texas, and we are about to escape the triple digit heat for a little bit for our summer adventures. If you're not following us already over on Facebook and Instagram, you can find us at Legendary Marriages. Just search for Legendary Marriages. On Facebook and Instagram, you can find us and follow our hijinks this summer. Hijinks! Hijinks!
1: Speak for yourself.
0: Low, I'm a very jinx.
1: I'm a very low jinx kind of person. Oh boy!
0: And have you heard about the legendary marriage tribe yet?
1: I mean, what happens when you take transformational weekly coaching, combine it with awesome resources and a powerful community of other awesome couples?
0: You get the legendary marriage tribe. Of Check course. it out! Check it out over at legendarymarriage.com/slash. Tribe. Hey, we are super excited today to have uh Irene Fair on the show talking about one of our favorite topics and
1: everybody's favorite topic. <laughs> sex.
0: So um we'll just dive right into the to the conversation with Irene.
1: If you if you have kids, get them some earmuffs.
0: Oh yeah. All right. Yeah, that's a good thing. Like we should give people a moment now to like to like decide that, oh, I probably shouldn't. Do, do, yeah. Do, do, do. Um, yeah. The conversation is probably PG 13. Yeah. Maybe a couple R moments.
1: That's right. All right. There you go. Now, here are, is our conversation with Irene Fair. We are so glad to have Irene Fair <laughs> on the show today. Sex and intimacy coach helps hundreds of women and couples reclaim their libido. Hello, and Ooh, passion. Yeah for sex in long term relationships. And um, she is out of Denver, Colorado. And she's been in the Huffington Post, Scary Mommy, which we all love. Oh, my God. Uh, Medium, all kinds of wonderful places. She is the woman in the know about sex in marriage and how it can take a turn <laughs> yeah. as we uh, go along in the, in the uh, how long have we been married, honey? Um, uh, it'll be
0: 18 years in November.
1: How's your libido going? Um, I'm good. You're good. I'm good. Yeah. I feel like I could be more, but Hey, let's get Irene in on this action here. Maybe she can help us. Irene, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yes. Okay. So becoming a sex and intimacy coach, obviously you have to be like hugely courageous and you have to really have the, uh, I, I want to say there, there's got to be a backstory to this. I'm wondering, even back to childhood, because we're thinking about this with our kids right now, because we've started to get the questions like, you know, um, Justin was talking the other day about spade and neutering animals and the kids were like, well, why would you even have to do that? Why does the daddy have to do that? Why does it, how does that work? How do babies come to be, you know, even puppies, how do they come about? And we're like, ah, oh no, what are we saying? They're seven and five. What are we supposed to be saying? But did you talk about sex in your house growing up when you were a kid? Was that like taboo or how did that
2: play out? You know, I was thinking about this question uh, a few weeks ago, and I realized something. When I was probably, like, in my early teens, I used to do a lot of dreaming about falling in love mm. and about making love. It was, like, this natural place where my mind went that I was so curious about, and it was the the dream that I had always dreamed. It was, you know... It, If if I were daydreaming, that's what I was doing. Mm. And it, it didn't occur to me till really recently how early my interest in intimacy was. And for me, sex flowed from that. Like I said, it was about falling in love and making love. And they were, in a way, extensions of each other. And I grew up in a household where my mom was very open about sex. I was given condoms when I was 18 and told, go enjoy yourself. Make sure that you get something out of it. And, you know, I I had a very supportive um, environment around also if something happened, I could come home and have support there. So there was a lot of freedom around that and a lot of openness. But it was all me when it came to intimacy and this piece of how can I be myself? How can I show myself, show my love and express myself through sex? So there was a lot of freedom around the actual act and um, openness about that it's okay, it's not taboo, just be safe and take care of yourself. But there's a lot missing around intimacy and around What's it like to actually be with another person in this vulnerable act of sex?
1: Oh, my gosh. I have to feel like that is very rare. I mean, I just I'm thinking of some of the obviously we're in friendships with other parents that have, you know, kids that are middle school, high school and even little kids. And I just don't know that they would be that open. I mean, I feel like there's a big fear around you know, like accepting it as just like, this is the norm and you're, you're going to have sex. And um, so I think parents definitely try, at least in our circles, to shy away from those conversations. Like there's almost like there's dread in it really.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and I certainly see that with pretty much most of my clients as well. And that absence of conversations creates dread in us as well. It's like I'm, I'm having all these feelings. My body is changing, right? I, I'm seeing people around me, my peers, boys or girls, differently. And, and having all these feelings, how do I deal with that? And when our parents are not talking about it, it can be incredibly confusing and incredibly uh, painful. Because, of course, as children, the first place we go to is, there's something wrong with me. See, everyone else is fine. There's something wrong with me. Yeah.
1: And also, like, I think there's a a weirdness in it, too. Like, if I start talking about sex with my kids, like, they're going to put two and two together about how they got here. (laughs) And, like, just thinking about your parents in that way is just, like,
0: a whole nother level of... I think we're programmed to have that be a whole nother level of weird.
1: I know, but, like...
0: Or awkward or uncomfortable. Yeah.
1: Irene, like, do, you ever, do what are you just picturing like your parents, like having conversations, having sex? I mean, it's just like, oh, I don't even want to go there.
2: I don't even mm-hmm. want to think about it.
0: I you don't want to think about your parents having no, sex. Stop. No, I don't.
2: <laughs> I, I certainly knew my parents were having sex. And, uh, and that too was also confusing because I knew that they were doing it because Sunday mornings the door would be closed and they would get up late later and they never talked about it and they also never showed real affection or sexual attraction or intimacy with them with each other so it was this disconnect this seeing what's going on and children see so much more than we give credit to them they see things and they know exactly what's going on then the missing, the, the fact that the conversation about it is missing creates this kind of dissonance. Can I trust the reality that I am seeing happening while my parents are either silent about it or are in denial? No, no, we don't do that. We don't do that, right? So that creates a lot of confusion for children. Yeah, yeah, it is very
1: confusing. I just want to say one thing. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were referring back to like in the 1800s when families lived in like basically a one or two room home, but yet they had like nine kids. And so it's like, you were, you may have been in the same room with your parents, like sex. <laughs> you may have, like, obviously, I feel like it was just more
0: that might be too far. I might well, be a little too but comfortable. I'm just
1: saying, like, it might have just been a functional part of life. The kids were yeah. like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, they're making babies in there, no big deal. And now it's like this thing where it used to just be, you know, part of life, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right? There was more ease around it, but there was also, I think, there is more at stake today around sex. So I think of how our relationships have changed drastically over time. So I think of sex and intimacy before having very different roles. So sex was for for procreation or for sexual release, right? And also for for taking in, in the more, in the, very primitive, much older societies, a woman taking care of the man once he comes home from war or the hunt, right? The Mm -hmm. providers come home, they need to be tended to, they need to be um, kind of reintegrated into society and sex was a way to do that. You bring the men back in. So sex had very, very different roles during those in those societies, procreation, release and nurturance. And intimacy had very different roles, too. We lived in much smaller tribes where protection was critical. We needed other people to protect us, so we needed to truly belong and not stand out. Otherwise, we would be out there by ourselves in the forest, you know, um, uh, wanting to, needing to protect ourselves from the line. So, intimacy there was about belonging and making sure that you take care of others, that you please others so you don't get kicked out of the tribe.
1: That's so interesting, like to think about that really sex has um, not only like a pleasurable role, but a functional role as well. I'm so curious, you said about like reintegrating people when they come back from war or come back from the hunt. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? A business
0: trip. I sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm just That's saying.
2: Application, yes, yes. So there's actually um, stories of uh, Turkish wars, probably about a thousand years ago, um, and how there were women who took care of men who came from war. They came back traumatized. They came back depleted. They came back not in a way where they can integrate back into society in a kind and compassionate way, not unlike the way men come back from wars today. And it was a woman's role, not, I don't know the exact details, but not yeah. just women, but this was specifically in, in, in that case, uh, kind of a tribe of women who brought men in and took care of them, brought them back into their feelings, brought, brought them back from the traumas of the war.
1: Do you think there's actually something chemical having sex with nurturing these guys coming back? Like, is there actually like a therapeutic, like real, um, connection to them not having that, you know, that trauma or the PTSD anymore?
2: Absolutely. What is sex? Sex is oxytocin. It's the, the, the bonding hormone, the touch hormone. It's uh, it, it relaxes you, it brings your nervous system down. You need all of that after war. What does war do? It, uh, it has you on such high alert that your nervous system doesn't relax back. Mm-hmm. So you, you're stuck in this activated place, this elevated place. You're stuck in um, high adrenaline um, zones and with adrenaline, you have a release of testosterone, which is great at war. It's great when you need to be really on fighting, but if you are only there and you don't have a counterbalance of uh, other chemicals and your nervous system can't come down, you are on high alert, you're hyper vigilant. you're hyper aggressive. Yeah. That's where oxytocin comes in, relaxing all of that bringing the nervous system back down balancing the hypermasculine hyperaggression that's needed in a war sure yeah with the feminine the softness the openness the love the bring you know uh, counterbalancing that and bringing the man back into balance I'm wondering
1: too. It sounds like, you know, like you could apply that today, like, you know, somebody's in a really, you know, stressed out job or whatever. Like you could apply that in the same situation. I'm just wondering, like, we're we're applying that as women are taking care of the men. Like yeah. it, it feels like it's almost like their job or something, yeah, which is which is thing. something that I'm not so wild about, but <laughs>
2: So that's, that's the type that that's what I talked about of how we were, we evolved or what we evolved from. This is how um, our primitive societies functioned and sex had a purpose, had a role, and we had very gendered roles. The men were hunters and the women were gatherers. The men went to war, the women nurtured and protected the children. So we had very distinct divisions of labor. Yeah. But today we have, and we want a very different relationship, but we want a partnership. We don't right. want this very um, distinct division. We want partnership. And that requires looking at sex and looking at intimacy very diff- in, in very different ways.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, because I'm yeah. just thinking
1: like, so let's say there's a situation where, you know, maybe the man does have like a high stress um, job that they go to every day. And maybe the woman does does stay home with a child. That's stressful, too. So I'm wondering, like, if how does that play out if the man is serving the woman and the woman is serving the
2: man? And, and that's what this other type of relationship is about. It's about understanding that our lives are different, our needs are different, and that they're maybe back and forth. But you know, the, again, the old ways, like the man is constantly is only doing the hunting and the war stuff, and the yeah. woman is only doing the nurturing. But in a modern relationship, we we want more integration. We we have different parts of ourselves and we don't just want that role-based relationship. We want Right, because
1: chances are the man is sitting in front of a computer. Like it's, what? <laughs> you know, I mean, oh, oh, it's oh. not like you're We're... fighting a mammoth or something. Well,
0: I mean, I, <laughs> l- let's just be clear: stress, how people respond to stress, it, it is not circumstantially dependent. Just because you're not being chased by a by a, black, a hungry black bear doesn't mean it's not a stressful day.
2: That's true. That's and- true and that's true actually nowadays for all of us we're not, none of us are chased being chased by bears but we have all of us have emails coming through all these things that call us for attention all these things are happening and this has actually changed also the dynamic of our sex lives is that both men and women or in same sex relationships Um, both partners are highly stressed and that affects our libido, our sex lives and how we are with each other.
1: I want to know for you, I mean, you had um, these envisions of like how intimacy was going to play out. Like you said, as a teen, you were dreaming of love and dreaming of making love. So How did that um, show up when you were like newly dating and finding someone you were going to marry? Like, was it your dream come true?
2: (laughs) In many ways it was, I had the perfect, you know, perfect beginning of the relationship, exactly how I dreamed it to be. We were in love. We were attracted to each other. we, We were like this couple that everyone looked up and said, wow, you guys are perfect. We had, you know, we, we bonded very quickly, and things looked really great. And I thought, yes, this is it. This is exactly what I want. Mm. And I had very little exposure, like I mentioned, to what it takes to build intimacy. I knew how to have sex. You know, mm. it's sure. kind of not not that hard to figure out. And yeah,
0: yeah I, it really isn't.
2: Yeah. And the hormones drive us, you know, you, 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 you want to touch the other person. you Yeah. Touching them as you want to. You know, none of this needs explanation. But the intimacy piece was something I didn't understand and didn't know. And um, when our relationship started to get a little bit more serious and we started to have some more disconnect and disagreements and things like that, the relationship started to get crunchier, right? There was like, er, er, look at that. It's not easy anymore. And it started to show up in my sex life. And at that time, I didn't really understand the connection of it. So this is me now looking back and understanding what happened. But, um... We couldn't really talk about sex. We couldn't talk about what we wanted. Neither of us had grown up with that at all, which is what intimacy is—telling my partner, "Wow, I really love when you do that, and I want a little bit more of that." Or, it—you know—or sharing disappointment. Oh, bummer, I think it—I—I'm I, a little disappointed that I didn't get to orgasm this time. I didn't know how to do that. I've never seen anyone role model being yeah. this real and expressing that. And
1: so, and it's like, there's another person's like feelings and ego wrapped it's a very up in place, it too. Yeah. 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 So if you're like, Oh, I did an orgasm. And then the other person is like, Oh, it's my fault. I'm a failure. You know, something like that. It's like, it's not just you. It's like,
0: Exactly. and there's the depending on depending on the the cultural Im- implications you know religiously or uh geographically or or just culturally there's a lot frankly there's a lot of shame masking itself as uh dignity or or you know yeah. like we're going to be very hmm, about this mm-hmm. and it's really just shame going This is ugly. It's gross. It's just, it's, it's, it's whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we don't ask for what we want.
2: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's exactly what I was, what I was driven by is, is the intimacy piece was too scary, too hard and too shameful. And so I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ask for that. But guess what after not asking and not asking and not asking my body wasn't really happy because i wasn't asking for what i needed and so i started to see changes in my body that were really confusing like my lubrication disappeared and i went to the doctors we were both in grad school I went to the doctors and they were just like oh just use lube no problem okay i continued to use well i continued to have sex with lube and then it started to be very tight, very painful, excruciatingly painful. Yeah. The doctors again, and they ran tests because maybe I had a tumor. This, I actually had a lung CT scan to see that maybe I had a tumor, you know, this big, that was causing pain in my vagina. And everything checked out fine. And the doctors were like, well, some women have pain during sex. Mm. Well, it's normal to not really want sex in a long-term relationship. It often goes away with being in a long-term relationship, which is a myth and a very destructive one that mm-hmm. still exists today. And that is, like I said, destructive and very, very um, caustic yeah. to men and women alike. But I'll talk more about that. So later. you're
1: saying that um, your body was actually having a physical... Um, manifestation of like what you were experiencing, like in your emotional disconnection. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I I wasn't asking for what my body needed to be able to be fully turned on to be excited.
1: Yeah. So So instead of like asking for a specific kind of foreplay or something like that, you would just go along with the flow and it was biting you. (laughs)
2: Yeah. And I was holding myself back too. So um, I was holding myself back from fully being present or fully being as loud or as excited or as quiet as I wanted to be. And that too was a way that I was holding, constricting myself, holding myself back and the body was responding. It's, It's just such an interplay between what we do, how, what we're thinking, what we're, um, feeling emotionally and how the body responds. And so, yeah,
1: I mean, I feel like there's, that's something that shows up a lot is like, if you're not able to be extremely present, it's really like, it's really difficult because, you know, I don't know, like if men experience this too, but Irene, you can probably vibe with me here is like, you have the list of like the, you know, 10 things going on in your head is like, okay, when we're done here, I got to make sure I throw the laundry in and get dinner started and and show this email and call this person and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, you're like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, wait, I'm having sex here. Like pay attention, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody, everybody has that stuff, right?
2: Yeah. Or there's the body stuff oh, my butt is oh, yeah. too big. I can't. I, I need to position myself in a way where he can't see my butt or he can't see my stomach or something <clears throat> something physical too that ends up dominating our thinking. It's like yeah. controlling the situation. And here's the thing with bodies. If we are closed off mentally, if we're not present and closed off, we cannot be physically open at the same time. It's mm. kind of just, it's either you're, All open or you're all closed.
0: Hey there, it's Danielle and Justin. We'll get back to this week's show in just a moment, but we are super excited to share a brand new opportunity for you to invest in your marriage.
1: I mean, you've got a good life, great kids, a nice job, a nice house, but you find yourself stuck... In the Roommate Zone. Dun, dun, dun. You know the Roommate Zone, right? Oh,
0: yeah. It's that place where you're wrapped up in the business of life and the busyness and missing real intimacy and connection. It's a lousy place to be.
1: And eventually it leads to a crisis. And the truth is, isolation, that's the enemy. Every couple struggles sometimes, and we all need the coaching, resources, and community to come around and support us.
0: Now, we realize not everyone can afford personal coaching or counseling. And so we wanted to make it super easy for everyone to be able to invest consistently in their marriage and get the coaching and the resources and the support they need and have some fun along the way.
2: Of
1: course. That's why we've created Legendary Marriage Tribe. You can get transformational life coaching, awesome online training and resources, and of course, a powerful community that will su- support and encourage you.
0: So if you're ready to transform your marriage and your family forever, find out more over at legendarymarriage.com tribe.
1: Now back to the show
0: we think of sex as a physical thing and it's, it's so much more than that. Like, it is so much more. are we mentally engaged Are are we emotionally engaged in it? And, and I think it can even go back to, and you, you talk about the, the three kinds of sex. What are the motivations, the intentions, the, the expectations that you're coming to sex with and like checking, checking that, like, what am I, what am I in it for today?
1: Yeah, because you're like, oh yeah, we're gonna bang out a quickie, but the other person is thinking like, oh, I'm we're gonna do all this and that, and I'm gonna tie you up and blah blah
0: blah. Like, and Why you're are like, you're always minute. talking about tying me up.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, fine. But... You
1: could have a two different sets of expectations coming in a lot of the times, and then you're both disappointed. Yeah. You know,
2: and there's also there's different meanings for sex. So there, there's sex for release, obviously sex for procreation, sex for validation. I need to have sex to feel my own sexual prowess or my attractability. Yeah. There's sex for connection. There's sex for love. There's sex for erotic exploration, more of the maybe exploration of the your animalistic nature or your taboos, like the kinky things, the... Um, BDSM aspects of your, of you, of you and your personality. There are so many reasons that we have for sex and it is important to share with that. Like, Hey, right now, I just want to have sex for release. Are you in for that? Mm-hmm. And talking about it and asking your partner, asking them to walk into it voluntarily and not just manipulate your way in and then be like, yeah. wait, wait, I, I didn't get what I wanted or needed, and feel manipulated.
0: So you you talk about this, and I'm immediately taken back to so many conversations I've had with uh, with pastors and counselors over the years, where uh, or you go to the the like the church marriage retreat or the the workshop or whatever it is. Sex is a beautiful thing. It's always this tender mm. act of self-sacrifice and worship and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes. (laughs) And sometimes you just want to pop one off because you're stressed out or, or it's just fun or whatever. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, so when, when is it wrong?
2: Never. (laughs) Sex is never wrong. Um, but it, here's how I think about sex. Sex can be all those things. Um, like you said, popping one off or, or being it being really raw and emotional, like, um, processing grief through sex. Mm, Yeah. Not a very pretty kind of sex. That's a lot of crying, raging, um, feeling the depth of grief while your partner is there with you. It could be very tender, but it's not like a pretty, you know, romantic, oh, this is fun. And you can have that and you can have all sorts of sex. And the key to that is connection, is being truly so vulnerable and open with your partner about what you need and where you are and what you want so that you, you create attunement so that you're on the same page and so that your partner can meet you and you meet your partner where they are. And that attunement. Uh, what's required for that attunement is vulnerability and openness. And so you can have this whole range as long as you're attuned to each other, as long as you're talking, sharing, and being open. And then I, I just hear you
1: saying too. It's like it's almost like it's adding a depth to whatever you're yeah. going through. So like you you brought up the example of grieving. So like if you're grieving a loss this can almost just engaging in sex can also help you move through it and process it.
2: Absolutely. Because sex is a way to move energy. It's, it's an activity, right? It's, a, it's something that we're doing physically, but there's also an emotional expression. So there's movement.
0: Yeah. And
2: one of, I think sex to process grief is one of the most beautiful experiences that I know I have experienced in my life where you're so raw, so open, and you're met with a partner, ideally with a partner who can meet you, who can really be there with you, and to process that in union is one of the most spiritual things I've ever experienced. Mm. I think,
1: too, you can, when you bring that to it, you're like, okay, if you're both on the same page of like, this is what we're doing here. Yeah. Because um, I could think of an experience, I'm sure, where the one person is really in that place where they're like, yeah, I'm processing grief. Maybe they can't put words to it, but they're like, this is what I'm doing. And then the other person is just there because like you said, it's a Sunday morning or whatever. And it's like, I don't think that would build the same connection as if you were both knowing what you were there for, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. So, so I want to say a little bit more about this word attunement and what I mean, because I know that's not usually a word that most people use, but it's this place where both of you can feel what's going on for each other and there's there may or may not be a verbalization, but you get a sense of where your partner is and you get a sense of how to be with that. So you're in sync in some way. There is a resonance there that's happening. And whether it's on both, grief, of course, can be on both sides or on one side, but each partner feels free to be both themselves and they know how to be with other partner. It's this beautiful total synchronicity that we see very often in the animal world um, when a flock of birds are flying together. They're synchronized without words. They're attuned to each other at a much Mm -hmm. deeper level than just verbal. Obviously they're not talking to each other. Um, So the same thing with a partnership. And that's something that takes an immense amount of practice of talking a lot about what it is that's happening for you, learning about each other, and then knowing how to, how to sync up.
0: So there are so many couples who are, who would say, yeah, we want to have better sex. Absolutely. How do we talk about that? Like, how, what would you say to the, to the, the man or the woman or the couple who says, I just, I don't know how to, I don't know. I don't know what to say here.
1: Yeah. And it feels, it can feel hopeless too. Like you're stuck in like this place of, you said that your marriage was kind of like, you were having less and less sex. It was more painful. And you know, it was just, it was like this whole thing. It's like, how do you try to like jumpstart it back? Is it possible?
2: (laughs) Absolutely. It's very possible. And it actually starts with everything that you just said. Um, It's going to your partner and saying, "Hey." I find sex kind of confusing and I find that I, I, I think I want more but I don't know how to tell you that and I get a little scared maybe asking for what I want and I, I want us to have some conversations about this. It takes naming what's going yeah. on with you first and foremost because well, I, I know that from my own marriage I was terrified of saying I'm confused about sex. So I would hint or like, hey, let's get a book about sex. But that's masking a whole level of experience and, and vulnerability and intimacy, intimacy by not saying, hey, I really want us to talk more about it. I think I, want, I need more or I want more. So it starts with naming that, that, that experience that you're having and, and starting the conversation from there. With your husband, were you ever like
1: thought thinking like, well, maybe this is just all on me and he's totally fine with what's going on. And, you know, maybe this is just something I need to deal with, with my gynecologist or something like, I don't know.
2: Mm-hmm. I, that's a hundred percent of what I thought in the marriage. And for the following four years after the divorce, I continue to think that I continued to think that I was broken, that that's what happened. That- The sex that we were having was how you have sex. The relationship that we had was how we have a relationship. And I failed miserably at both. Mm. And I went to that place of, yeah, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my sexuality, my femininity. And I initially, when I sought help, which was four years after my divorce, I went into it from a place I need to fix myself so I can go back and have the sex that I was having. The truth now that I can see is that the sex that we were having wasn't working for me. It wasn't working because we couldn't talk about the things that mattered to me. We weren't connected. We um, were not really um, interested in, we couldn't be curious about each other. And the kind of sex that I love, that I'm passionate about is curious and and open and very intimate. And you're talking about things and you're fine tuning and and tuning into each other, all of that. So all of that was missing. And, but I thought if I fix myself, I can continue doing that. And that was faulty thinking that I see in so many couples when they come in for wanting to do sex coaching, they want to fix Whatever broke so that it can go back to having the kind of sex that they were having. And I have to do a lot of reteaching to see it, to say that sex wasn't working or that sex broke because it's not meant to work long term. And it's the, the I talk specifically of the two kinds of sex that have an end life in a long-term relationship. First one being friction sex. Mm. Where it's really, it's, it's just about the passion, the physicality, the orgasm. It can be incredibly fun and exciting. And there's no room in friction sex for sharing of emotions because they, they ruin the mood. Yeah. I, I don't want to hear how you're impacted by this. I just want to have fun. I want to kind of like check out, close my eyes and go into, into my pleasure. Okay.
0: It's interesting. That's, kind, that's, the, that's the Hollywood kind of... Yes. Like the, the romanticized version of like the couple they've been flirting and like that point in the rom-com movie where all of a sudden they're like slamming each other up against walls sure. and like knocking over vases and things.
1: Well, and it's interesting that you, which just seems
0: painful and expensive to me, like to replace (laughs) broken,
1: (laughs) the broken vase. Um, the, the friction thing is like you said, you know, they're, you know, it's highly energetic and all this other stuff. And, but also they're just tuning into their own pleasure. And so does that mean they're not necessarily tuned into the other person? They're more focused on themselves.
2: To an extent, yes. It's not that they're not there with each other. It's more of just they're there for the fun and they're there for themselves. And anything that disrupts that, usually people are like, I don't, I don't want to see it. I don't want to think about it. And this is a, a typical scenario is something happens to disrupt the fun. So a woman can't orgasm quickly or a man loses his erection and then that kills the sex they roll over get up and walk away right because yeah they're disappointed and yeah exactly they're disappointed and, and they cannot they cannot and really they don't want to face that that's just that like kills the mood yeah and this kind of sex is something we usually have in the beginning of a relationship when we're just meeting someone. It's a typical kind of one night stand, just there for fun. And it's something that can only be maintained in a long-term relationship really under the influence of drugs and alcohol. It's the drugs and alcohol that keep the fun going. Mm-hmm. And are, they, 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 they remove the need to pay attention to your partner because the drugs and the alcohol just, they lubricate the process pun intended.
1: Yeah. Huh. Okay. So that is not good for the long run, but you know, like you said, you may have like some crazy, you know, vacation date night or, you know, something like that, where it shows up. Um, but it's not consistent.
2: It's not consistent and it's just not sustainable. There's just the, the depth is not there. So this is the kind of sex also that, um, requires more toys, more positions. If you're just focusing on the physical, there's only so many things you can do with each other. So many holes, so many positions, so many pretzels that you can twist yourself into.
0: (laughs) Sure. Only so many holes. Yep.
2: Well, I think this is helpful,
1: too, because I think sometimes you build up in your mind, like you think back to like, oh, the beginning when it was like this, the friction sex. And you're like, now it's not there anymore. So we must not have the connection that we used to
2: exactly that's where couples will default there's something wrong with with our connection there's something wrong with our attraction Mm -hmm. our compatibility or ourselves yeah and um they'll search for more of the external stuff oh well maybe let's open our relationship or let's get more toys or let's go to like this crazy kinky workshop but all of that is looking for external external things because Mm -hmm. there's nothing actually internally that's driving them anymore Um, and that's also because friction sex is really driven by sexual, sexual attraction and newness. It's the hormonal cocktail that gets us all excited for all of this. So it's all, all external to us. Everything is, is outside of us. And that's just not sustainable. This yeah,
1: because doing the inside work is way harder than so, going to a workshop.
0: Yeah. So what, what I think you're saying, what I hear you saying is like, that stuff's fine, but it's not the key. It's it's not the only thing you can do,
1: but there's one more. You said there's another one that's also not sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> what is that one?
2: So um, the second one is what I call validation sex, and this is sex that starts to happen when you start to fall in love and develop feelings for your partner. This is so the name validation comes from our need and desire for validation from our partners when we start loving them and they love us. It's those feelings of, wow, you desire me and I'm important to you. Wow, you find me attractive and you want me. And that feels incredible. And validation sex can be incredibly beautiful and passionate and deep. It can have depth, absolutely. It's not like uh, friction sex where it's just the physical. Here you're, you're sharing love and tenderness and care Mm. And there's a pitfall and also an end life to validation sex. What happens when we start caring and loving for one another is that there start to be stakes attached to that love. I love you. You care for me. You see me. You validate me. I don't want to lose you. Mm. I don't want to upset you. I don't want to hurt you because ultimately I might lose you. And what we all do in that place, which is driven again, if you think back of what I said, like the tribal intimacy, this is driven by belonging. I now belong to you, to us. I don't want to lose that. And so what do we do when we want to belong and not lose someone is we stop taking risks. right? specifically stop being vulnerable with our partners about what's truly going on for us and what we want. And what it often looks like in a heterosexual relationship is that women stop asking for what they really want physically, which is usually variety and specific attunement to, to their bodies, wherever their bodies are here yeah. here, whatever, right, the, where it's going. So they don't want to be high maintenance and they stop asking for what they want, which means that the men can't really please them and they start, start disappointing the women and then the men don't like disappointing women and they stop taking risks, really initiating, which women really need to feel desired. We need men to initiate, to take us, to, to like show interest in us, and that this spirals down. Mm. And what you have is you have passion dying very, very quickly and insidiously because it's like here and there, here and there, but it just adds up and the passion dies, and then they become roommates. Or wah, wah. they become roommates and start to cuddle. So this yeah. is a typical scenario, is just they cuddle, but they don't, they, they are so scared to go into sex because that's the risky territory and they don't want to take risks. Oh. Or they resort to friction sex. Well, I don't want to hurt my partner's feelings, so I'm just going to lay there so he finishes, so he at least feels, you know, good about himself and I'm just gonna do it for him. Well, might get an orgasm in it too, not a bad idea. But that creates a place where they're not really connected, they're not passionate towards each other, and there's a whole lot of resentment that starts building there. Yeah. And that starts to kill, the the cuddling at least, um, kind of still keeps them at friends. This piece is gonna kill the friendship too, because there's a lot of resentment.
1: Yeah. yeah. What is the, you said there's a third type where you can actually, it is sustainable for the long run. This sounds like the ideal type scenario. So what's the key to this last one?
2: So the first key is to realize that you have probably gone through this path that I just, know, just described and to remove the shame from what happened. And to realize, wow, we got caught in, like, w- what I think of, of the first type, two types of sex are things that we naturally fall into. We fall into these types of sex. They're driven by hormones and society and, and our wiring. Yeah. And the first piece is to recognize, oh, we fell into that and we want something different. And we fell into that and that's okay. It's not a bad thing. And... Mm-hmm. The third type of sex takes a realization that we can create a different kind of sex. That it's up to our, our, we we have the capacity and we have the will to create it, to build something that works for us. Not fall into it, but build. And the third type of sex I call connection sex because it's truly rooted in connection. It's about learning about each other. It's about curiosity, it's about attunement to each other and learning about what is, what's here, what's in the space between us, what's wanting to arise, hmm. what's wanting to arise in me. So it's connection to myself as well. And what's wanting to arise in my partner, what's going on for them and balancing all of this. So this isn't for, you know, this isn't easy. This isn't, you know, uh, sex one one This is a higher level, higher order, kind of um, objective here where we, it's really about learning and curiosity and being truly vulnerable with yourself and with your partner. And I think of it as a combination of needing to remain yourself, needing to remain your individual self, which is what for me means being responsible and connected to your own desire, to your own truth, to what you want, and being able to stand on your own two feet. So having self-respect, right? Mm. And being able to take care of the other person, attune to them, be compassionate towards them, being able to listen without judging them and truly creating safety for them to be free themselves. So, so it's remaining, it's standing in your own freedom and remaining an individual and then creating a safety for your partner to be free and remain an individual and to act out of choice. We end up falling into also with other types of sex, especially validation sex is, we start to demand it because validation is addictive. So we're like, I need your validation. And that is antithetical to erotic sex and erotic connection. You have to give your partner choice to show up, you want to invite them and give them choice, not corner them and put them in a spot of, if you love me, you have to do this. So that's the piece of like standing on your own two feet. And that actually provides that freedom for your partner to act out of choice. I
1: feel like, it's, yeah, that validation one feels sometimes it could be maybe like kind of codependent. Like you're putting bit, yeah. putting all that on them. But I if like, I can
0: just achieve an orgasm, I'm a real man.
1: That's right. Yeah. I, but the connection one, I like how you're saying like tune into yourself and tune into your partner. Because I feel like that's something that we're always striving for is like, how do I be fully myself? but also be us at the same time. And I feel like that's a good reflection of like how that looks, how that plays out in your sex life. So that makes total sense. Um, Oh my gosh, Irene, that's so much to think about. So I'm wondering like if there's couples out there have some hope again to have fun in the bedroom.
2: Yeah, well, the first one is to watch the video and to get more of a sense of maybe how they got here. And again, to know that they're not, they're not broken, that there's, no, um, th- there's, there's nothing wrong with them or their love for each other or their relationship if they've found themselves in a sexless marriage. And that's the biggest takeaway I want couples to uh, have out of this and of all the work that I do is to know that they're not alone and that they're not broken. The way society has pitched sex intimacy and sex in a long-term relationship, sex in the marriage really is wrong all these assumptions thinking that you know um the cinderella story and the prince charming story that that's how it is and that's going to carry you through for decades no that's so wrong and so again it's this this piece about not feeling broken and not being ashamed of being there and the second piece is i want to give your listeners a a worksheet and a page that kind of guides you through having a conversation about talking to a sex coach or talking about this at all. Why is this important? Mm -hmm. And the why piece really is important. This isn't about sex. This isn't about doing it or how to do it. It's about what it provides for you and what it provides for your relationship. And that why is really important when you wanna talk to your partner. Hey, I I find myself confused about this, but I want to learn more about sex because I want to share this beautiful thing with you. I want to express my love more with you or I want to show you these parts of myself, more erotic parts so that we can share this together and we can deepen our relationship. And that why is really important, not just get bogged down by the brokenness of things or what's not working but the importance of it and what it provides.
1: I feel like it takes a lot of
2: courage yeah
1: to be able to not only uh like like you said those resources that you have like your video and your conversation guide um to like even just say hey like I love you and I love us enough to like try to make a shift here. Um, Cause I know you have the wisdom of looking back and going like, I could have made a shift, but I just didn't know what to do. So now, yay, Irene's here and she's giving you some ideas on how to make those shifts in your relationship. Also, let us know how do we find you and what you're doing, your website and your socials and all that.
2: Great. So my website is mynameirenefair.com. I-R-E-N-E, F as in Frank, eh com, And you can find me on social media like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ignited Woman.
0: I love Ooh, I it. I like that, yeah.
1: Ignited Woman. And All we'll right. put
0: that in the show notes as well.
1: Uh, yes, of course. All right, Irene, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. And thank
2: you. I love this conversation.
1: All right, so... Everybody has some reason that they're not in the moment when yeah. having sex with their spouse. And I will be the first to admit it. You going to be the second to admit it?
0: Uh, Sure.
1: <laughs> well, that I put you on the spot. Yeah. No, but it's true. I mean, responsibilities, stress, and everything, it can take its toll on your sex life because you can be really... Um, distracted, overwhelmed, stressed, and none of that is sexy.
0: No, but you know what is even sexier than all that?
1: The talk about it second the, of the, the show?
0: Gr- no, I was going to say, like, grocery shopping lists and things like that while you're...
1: While you're humping? Yeah. Yeah, that's super you sexy. Know,
0: there's nothing like realizing that you're with somebody in the moment and they're not with you. Yeah. No. Uh Or being that person. Because like you said, it, like... It happens for everybody.
1: Yeah, it goes like both we, ways. We just
0: we're just we've got a lot on our minds. All right. So, and now the talk about it segment of the show. Each week, we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters.
1: All right. So here's the question this week. Um, we're just gonna own this. We're gonna own that everybody can be distracted from being in the moment and having sex and having fun. So what distraction? stops you from truly engaging in sex with your spouse. What are some of those distractions? Call them out. Maybe you can uh, get rid of some of them. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's get on it.
0: All right. That's all we have today. That's it for today's show. As always, we're talking about all the hot topics from the podcast and so much more over in our free community on Facebook. So come join the conversation at legendarymarriage.com slash Community.
1: You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com/slash one three three.
0: Lastly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Those reviews mean so much, not only for our ego, but also so that other couples, when they're searching, just find the show.
1: What is your deal? <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast.
0: This is Danielle and Justin reminding you
1: Don't settle for an ordinary marriage
0: Make yours legendary